An army of sheep led by a lion is better than an army of lions led by a sheep. Alexander the Great. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah. I'm your host. This podcast that you're about to listen to, this podcast is designed to teach you how to be the leader in life. It's designed to help you grow and improve the team around you. But overall, it's designed to teach you how to win. We talk about leadership and we talk about personal performance. But what makes us different is that everything we teach here, it comes from real world experiences, not something we just read out of a book. I've personally gathered the lessons I've learned from my time in the military and the mentors I've been so lucky to have in my life and compiled them into this podcast for you. And you might ask why, you know, why Jeremiah, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this podcast? Why are you educating and helping people? Why are you putting all of your time into this? And why are you putting thousands of dollars into this with zero return? Well, the reason why is because I remember a time when I ran into a very influential mentor in my life, when I was lost, you know, he had experiences that I couldn't find anywhere else. I ran into this individual, you know, my parents had got me started in life, but then I hit the next leg of my journey and I was essentially traveling by faith. I was living in uncertainty, unclear on whether I was on the right path. And I was just hoping I could find what I was looking for. And then I came across a man I refer to as Major Steele, and he changed the trajectory of my life. Mostly, he changed my mind. Out of everything that he gave me, he changed my mindset. And as a result, I got to live out my dream serving in one of the top units in the entire military. And I remember how, when I was on that path early on, I had wished I had access to more people like him early on in my life. So this podcast exists to return that favor, to gather the lessons that I've gained and share them with you. Additionally, there's a huge problem in this world, and that's poor performing people and poor leaders. So it's our mission to fix that. By listening today and listening to this podcast, you have chosen to be an example for others to follow. You have elected to carry the burden of leadership. And so I just want to say thank you for joining. Thanks for joining today and participating in our cause. And all that I ask is that I'm going to teach you some, some stuff that has changed my life and stuff that you can't find anywhere else. All I ask is that you, if you find value in today's episode, that you share it with a friend. If you laugh, if you learn, if you walk away inspired, just share it with a friend. That helped me and us grow this podcast so that it can reach more people's ears. But today's topic, I'm really excited about today's topic because we're going to talk about personal and team standards. And my promise is that if you follow the lessons from today's episode, you're going to unshackle yourself and your team from the current level you're on. You're going to break free. But before I get into today's topic, you know, we have some housekeeping to do and I want to welcome the man, the myth, and the legend, the podcast prodigy, Justin Phillips. What's up, man? The podcast prodigy. I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's better than just ice. <laughs> what was his name? Something Adams. I forget now. Mr. Jim Adams. Jim Adams. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, how are you doing? I'm doing dandy. Good, good. As Any always. Other? Or, yeah, no, see. I've been watching a lot of Dave Ramsey lately, so now I'm doing better than I deserve. Oh, I wait, like what that does that way. mean? Whenever uh, Dave Ramsey, I've been listening to his podcast, whenever he gets a call in and people are like, oh, hey, Dave, thanks for taking my call. How are you doing? You know, like the normal spiel that you get from everybody. His answer is always to how are you doing? His answer is always better than I deserve. And I kind of like it, mm. you know, so it's a very mm. grateful way to respond, I guess. So. Kind of like a humble way of I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal it as I do. All right. Hey man, that's that's uh what's that that quote like good artists create great 
great artist steel or something like that <laughs> yeah, something like, yeah i know where you're getting at i've heard it before uh, but um was, uh, so so what's the latest address with you let's let's kind of do um for the new listeners hey we just like to catch up real quick and then we're gonna dive into today's topic um but yeah let's talk about where we left off last time and the last the last episode was well it was uh it was about the decisive point and we left mm -hmm. you with some tools to go and handle the golf course oh golf yeah course. and um yeah. So let's just get an update on your side about how things are going since then. And then I'll yeah. jump into mine and we'll keep rolling. Well, I mean, in the disc golf world, things are heating up, not only in my game, but I've also got uh, a tournament coming up this week and then another tournament coming up next week. So I got two weekends in a row. I'm going to be out there. This weekend is one that myself and my friend are co-tournament directoring with each other. So I'm kind of in charge of this one. And I've been trying to keep up with the headache that goes into trying to run a disc golf tournament on federal land so we're not actually allowed to do anything but we're trying to find ways to do stuff anyway mm. and um all that type of thing but that's what's going on with that so you're leading you're leading the tournament i am leading i'm being the leader hell yeah good job <laughs> well there's hey, a podcast out there to teach me how to do that <laughs> um so real quick you know i, I want to kind of bring in I want to hear your thoughts on the last lesson that we covered, which is the decisive point. If you, if you guys are listening right now and that's a new concept for you, just go back and listen to the very last episode, the one before this one yeah. on the decisive point. But I just want to hear from you. I, I don't want, not looking for you to, to, to sell it to the listener. I just want to hear actually right. real world what happened after our last discussion where we had you focus in the most critical aspect of the game and you went out and executed. So can you talk me through that? I can try to. I mean, you know, if you listen to the episode, you heard me talk about whole four on my course and all that type of stuff. And I tried that that day. And not going to lie, it didn't make a ton of a difference. I said, if anything, it kind of brought down my average score since then. Like, I can at least do okay every time I play. I never really shank anything. Because normally, that's the point in the course where momentum starts to go bad. Yeah. Where it's like, if I do bad on hole four, then I do bad on five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, just as well. So as long as I can at least keep myself intact, it kind of helps. On that note, though, I started to realize too, like sometimes where the decisive point is really depends on the day. Mm. Or depends on, you know, it's like, what part of my game do I have to focus on? For example, yesterday I went and played and yesterday here where I live, it was hot and it was sticky. So my biggest problem was actually um, one of my putters is like this rubber plastic blend that it's made out of. And it's 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 really grippy and it's too grippy when it's hot and sticky outside. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to have to focus on my putting more so than usual because the grip is all different and messed up, you know, so, and then that kind of leads into what holes are going to be the hardest to put on and so on and so forth. Yeah, I would add that those those you should have you should reassess your decisive point every time you go out to the golf course. But that. Uh, probably the, a lot of the things that you're addressing are actually just key tasks for the individual phase that you need to accomplish. So for example, phase one for you is planning and preparation before you head to the golf course. Okay. In that phase, we have to make sure our equipment and ourself were ready to go. And it's that in that phase, we also have to check the conditions of the weather. So, you know, there is a dip. We won't, this isn't a lesson today on key tasks and how we can break all those down, but I would just, you, <clears throat> you almost want to look at key tasks as also like just key milestones that you have to accomplish in order to make the phase that you're in happen. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's good feedback. Cause what we learned, what I'm hearing is that it helped you main focusing in on the decisive point, helped you maintain tempo mm -hmm. and helped yeah. you maintain consistency, which is really what we want. You know, we, we talked about the military example before and the decisive point of being the breach. If you open up the Constantine wire, the barricade that the enemy has, um, at that point, things, the battle kind of starts slowing down. And what you really want to do is maintain your tempo getting through it. So making that your decisive point, helping you, it will help you keep that tempo going through the objective. Um, okay, so that's really good yeah. feedback, though. When it comes to having a decisive point, I think it's less important. I think where people can get confused, where I got confused to some extent, too, or maybe I'm wrong now. But it's that you don't have to get like the right decisive point. There really isn't a right decisive point. You just want to have one. 
you want to come up with one and kind of use it as an anchor to pull yourself into and have something to focus on. Like for me, I don't feel like it really matters too much if I decide that, you know, hole four is the decisive point, hole five, the the upshot on hole eight, like whatever it is, as long as I have it, it kind of keeps my focus reined in until I get to that point. Yeah, it's a great example. And you can kind of change it as you go. You know, maybe you're going to hit an enemy compound and the decisive point for you in this example is the south side enemy barricade, whatever is there, the Constantine wire, whatever. And then the next time you go out there, you say, you know what? Actually, I'm going to say it's over here to the west. It's, it's still the Constantine wire, but it's out here, you know, directly west of the objective. It's this point right here because I've learned from my past experience that whatever, whatever it is, but the bottom line is that you have it. Okay, so great, great application. I like to do check on you know, the, the, the practical side of things. So that's really good. Um, outside of disc golf, what else is new? Anything else? Uh, my bathroom has a floor and a toilet. Oh, nice. <laughs> I forgot that's about exciting. that. We've, uh, we've made some progress on that. So that's kind of cool. But outside of that, not a whole lot of new. Mostly what I do is run this podcast and play disc golf. I mean. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're talking about one week at a time, so that's good. That's good. That's a good update. Um, let's see. Uh, real quick on my side, ankles doing better, still jacked up a little bit. Um, still got that ankle injury, but I am gonna start training martial arts again next week in some capacity. I've been pulling back and just doing like shadow boxing and regular stuff. That Wait, you pulled back on something? That doesn't make any sort of sense. Uh, I still no. I'm just saying on that one thing. I I've changed <laughs> changed directions. I'm surprised okay. you didn't injure your ankle and then just go harder <laughs> than. Well, I did climb a mountain on crutches, so that's true. That's... <laughs> I, All right, I have nothing to say to that. But uh, uh, so yeah, that's the update with me. And then, man, we actually so we opened up. I announced on Instagram that we're taking applications in Concord Academy, so that's really cool too. Yeah. yeah, and we'll be filtering over some people from that audience. Um, I'm excited to work with them. When it comes to I want, I want to kind of glaze. We just glazed over this. You you climbed a mountain on crutches. Why did you do that? Like, seriously, let's I, I want to dig in so people can get a feel for kind of the way you work inside your head a little bit. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is actually a good question because uh, it ties into my personal standards. Yeah. Um, so I got pretty there's a chance that my ankle's actually broken to be honest just to be completely transparent just to kind of convey this to everyone um and i am walking on it i'm not an idiot okay so (laughs) i i I, I, i'm stubborn but i do know i'm judging it as i go and uh if if it's not better by basically the end of this week and next week i'm gonna i'm gonna go in and get an x-ray but i it could be broken so with that being said that just kind of shapes the injury um but uh, yeah, so after I injured my ankle during doing some mixed martial arts training, um, it was on a Friday and the following day was Saturday, which is for me suffering Saturday. I always do something hard on suffering Saturday, something that pushes me physically and mentally. Okay. Um, for those that don't haven't seen this before, or heard of me doing this before, I've done things like 30 mile trail runs, like up a 14,000 foot mountain. Okay. I've done an hour or two of straight meditation. Um, I, I'll play chess to kind of stretch my mind. All right, different things like that. So the idea is to get to this place where I want to quit and just go a little bit further. If I can't physically do something, I adjust. But I got injured on Friday in mixed martial arts and I said, all right, man, this is kind of a test to your standards. What are you going to do for suffering Saturday? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to ice it tonight. And then I'll wake up and I'll make the call in the morning. Woke up. Decided that I'd make my mission to for suffering Saturday just to get something in while being injured. And I said, okay, the mission's gonna be um go to Walmart and buy some crutches. Number one. All right. This I, getting out of the house right now with my ankle damn near broken is hard. So this starts suffering Saturday. I gotta go to the store. Most people would just lay around in bed. I said, all right, I'm get moving. And then next, I'm gonna pick an area. I'm gonna do it's gonna be a time-based uh climb or hike. And I, but I am going to go out to the area out here next to my house and I'm going to go hobble around on my crutches and I'm going to bring my wife with me and we're going to have a family day and not let myself be stopped on suffering Saturday. So why did I do it? It's because I am committed 
to my suffering Saturday workouts. It's a standard that I have. I don't miss it. I have, mm -hmm. I have not missed it. I mean, if you just look back historically for the last year that I've been sharing it on Instagram, I haven't missed a single day over a year. I'm going on a year and a half of sharing it on Instagram every single weekend. So for me, I don't miss that. It's just a, a pledge that I have. And so why did I go out there? It was a small hill. When I say I didn't climb a 14,000 foot mountain on crutches, I went out, there's an area here in Colorado called Open Space Park. And uh, there's this little rock area. They have these, these rocks out there that are millions of years old that are huge. People rock climb them and stuff, but it's this little park. And um, you take your dogs there and stuff. There's one little area where the rock, this giant boulder has stairs carved out of it. Okay, so I found that rock. It took me about 40 minutes to get to it, hobbling uphill all the way there on this trail. And then I found the rock. I knew it was there because I'd been there before. Um, my wife was with me. And then I got on those stairs and I climbed the top of the stairs. And that was like victory for me. That was my objective. I want to get to the top of these. And there was a point where we almost quit because it was taking longer than I expected. I said, hey, if we can't get there to the stairs in 30 minutes, I was like, I don't, I told my wife, I was like, I don't want to keep you out here all day while I'm trying to, keep, I'm getting fixated <laughs> on this, this goal. And it's like hot and you're just like mm -hmm. being dragged along. Cause I've done that to her before. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, but 30 minutes hit and I was like, shit, we're not there. And I was like, we got to turn around. And I said, Hey, go check it out. And just tell me, I told my wife, I said, Hey, go recon and see if we can find the rock real quick. Cause I think we're close. And she like walks out there and she comes back, um, 10 minutes later, five minutes later. And she's like, oh, it's right around the corner. I was like, are you okay if we push this another 10 minutes? And, and I was like, we're just going to turn it into 20 minutes. Cause we still got to go back down the way we came. <laughs> Um, and she just looked at me and shook her head. She was like, yes, fine. And so I climbed up it, you know, it was super slow and like not dramatic. It looked, I mean, it was, I guess it was kind of dramatic looking, but it anyways, climbed up it. There was like an audience there. People were like staring at me yeah. <laughs> as I'm doing it. And that was actually going to be my next question to you is, was if there are actually people on these mountains that you climb, first of all, or if it's just you, because I'm, I'm also thinking there's obviously the challenge of climbing up a mountain with a broken ankle we'll just say at this point but like that's a challenge in and of itself just for the physical reasons but i feel like what would be even more likely to stop people from doing something like that is the judgment that they feel like they would get for being on crutches on the side of a mountain and all the attention that they'd get from that too so it really plays a uh it, or it puts some sort of a toll on your mental game too absolutely it, I mean, I've gotten pretty calloused to criticism over the years. I, w I won't say it doesn't bother me at all, but um, I've got, I found ways to communicate it to myself that don't affect me negatively. Okay. And pay attention to the language that I say there, right? It's far more important in life how you communicate stuff to you versus what's actually being said. That's more important than anything. Who cares what I say to you on this podcast or anybody on this that's listening? It's how you communicate it to yourself that actually matters. Okay. So um, when it comes to criticism, I had a gentleman reach out to me that his dream is to be, you know, a world-class fighter in mixed martial arts. He's, you know, he's in his early twenties and he's on this path, man. And people are starting to criticize him just like on the suffering Saturday thing. And he's a wondering if he should abort the mission, if he should abandon ship. He's like, hey, should I do what's realistic and get a career and start building my career? And, and it's kind of like being in entrepreneurship. You know, you're like, man, all my friends are getting jobs and working towards careers. And I'm over here maybe just like feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm spinning in circles, feeling unsuccessful compared to them. But I told him, I said, dude, you got to cut those people out and that criticism. I did an Instagram post on it as well, talking about don't fear the criticism from others because it usually comes from the weak and the unaccomplished. Okay. And the self-righteous which is the worst type of people, weak, unaccomplished, and self-righteous, that's a horrible person right there. So I told him, don't listen to that individual. And so when I'm out there on my crutches, yeah, there's some, there some people like kind of like snickering, but a lot of them thought it was great. They were kind of cheering me on. You know, there's one, this group of people passed by me. They're like, they're like, we were wondering what, what made you leave the house on crutches. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and the one girl was like, we figured you just got tired of being indoors. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Bottom line, though, is that when it comes to criticism, you got to shut that shit out. Do it anyway. And what has to matter most importantly to you as an individual, especially if you want to get to a different level than everybody else is getting to in life, your personal standards have to exceed. They have to be more important than the importance of the criticism to you. 
you have to value your standards more than you quote unquote value the criticism, right? Like more yeah. than you're concerned with the criticism. Yeah. Basically the way that I'd put that, if I had to put it in like an eggshell is that you have to set your personal standards and then you have to make your personal standards have more weight to you than social standards. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely a standard in society <laughs> and it's hard to get away from that too, because it's society. <laughs> like, Yeah. You know, you hit the nail, you hit the nail on the head and, a really good way to kind of conceptualize this is to think about the, I mean, if you just look at the military, the standard is you show up to PT at 6.30 in the morning, okay? That's like a non-negotiable standard that you have to do. If you don't show up to PT repeatedly, you're going to get kicked out of the army, kicked out of the organization, okay? Same thing with your job. Somebody that has a nine to five, you have to go to work. But why do we not have those type of standards in our personal life? Why and why when it comes to fitness? When it, why are there, why are things like, you know, negotiable? Mm -hmm. Why do we allow that? And it's really it's because we haven't as as individuals typically been taught to create personal standards about the things that are important to us. Typically, that's the reason why. Second, is that we tend to <clears throat> want to take the easy path in life. That's human nature. Okay, and what ends up happening is I just I just talked to uh, one of my students, one of my clients in Conquer Academy about this. This this guy is an individual who he owns uh multiple restaurants. He's got a huge company and real estate portfolio. Relatively successful guy. Okay. But he's having some culture issues in his businesses. Okay. Specifically the real the restaurant businesses. And one of the problems he's having in his, his individual life, his standards have slipped everything outside of his success in business. And as a result, they've kind of been taking some easier paths, kind of putting people that don't have high standards in the position in the business, in the restaurant, to execute what they want them to execute and then getting a bad result. So we've been working a lot on his individual standards. Okay, we've raised them in all areas of life. And we've been doing this for about, I think about two months now. Okay, now he's got, this guy is working out twice a day. He's dropping weight. He's, he's, he's positive. One of the things that he had an issue with before was he was super negative. He's positive. He's feeling good about himself. And then guess what discussion he had earlier this last week? He brought his whole team in, one of his close partners, and he said, dude, we have to fix the standards of our organization. So now this is an individual who changed his individual standards daily, and now he's carrying it over into his company. So when we talk about leadership at an individual level, we talk about, hey, you got to become the leader. You have to improve yourself first and then others will follow. That leadership is about you. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Standards are everything. Okay, we human beings, they settle for the minimum standard that they set for themselves, the minimum. Okay, so tell me, let's apply this to, let's talk, if you're going to take notes as an individual, you want to remember that line. Human beings settle for the minimum standard they set for themselves. Okay. So what's your minimum standard in the areas that are important to you? Let's look at disc golf. Specifically, when you go out and play that course, that's close to your house. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a mental standard of performance? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, we'll, we'll have to dig deeper into that, but yeah, I do. I mean, I have a standard generally at the point in my game right now to, play bogey free when i go play so basically shoot even par for better which doesn't always happen of course but it's what i go in you know telling myself especially in tournaments i'm like this is what i need to do yeah so you want to play par or better which means basically means for people that aren't familiar with disc golf it means like amounting up to the number of holes amounting up to the number of shots that are acceptable for the hole that you're shooting yeah. right so if one hole is supposed to take four shots you take four shots yeah. um, for that hole so now what if your standards were lower? What would be the next tier down from par? What would you, what would be the acceptable next like thing that somebody would be like, you know what? I'll be happy if I get this. Honestly, I don't even know to be quite frank with you to tell you a story about my standards with, uh, with this golf too. I think back to the beginning of my journey with it, because when I started playing, I've played ball golf in the past, of course, and ball golf is freaking hard. And, you know, I'll go play ball golf and I'll shoot like 70 over par because it's just I'm just a human being. 
Yeah. But, um, you know, so when I started playing disc golf, I'd shoot like maybe eight over par, six over par, something like that. And I was like, hey, that's pretty good. Like, I feel like I'm naturally talented at this. And I'd go around talking to people about it. And I was better than like my immediate friends, that type of thing. And then I started going to the uh, the weekly leagues that they have at our disc golf course, mm-hmm. you know, shooting like five over par or something like that. And then there are people playing in those leagues shooting like 10 under par. And my standards changed real quick. So I was like, oh, other people yeah. are way better than I am. Yeah. So then I was like, I got to I got to get this get this together, which is why I highly recommend in any sport that you're actually going and doing it in some sort of organized manner instead of just trying to teach yourself because it opens your eyes to what the potential actually is for it and on top of that you know if you're going to pursue this path this goal that you're on or your team's pursuing a path and goal like are you guys taking it seriously and that's what you started to do you you know you went all in on the training progression when you don't when you when you're committed to something you do whatever it takes you don't look for like if my car is busted and i need to get to work and it's causing a significant problem in my household where I'm not getting paid. I go all in and I fix that car. Hey, I need to get this thing fixed. Okay. But a lot of people don't do that with other, with their things in life. They, what they do is they, they're interested. And so yeah. maybe the problem isn't significant enough to them. And so what they do is like, maybe they have a flat tire one day with their car. They put the donut on it. Okay. The, the, the spare tire. And then they tell themselves, okay, I'll get my. I'll put the good tire on later. This standard is fine for me. And they're like, I'll just ride around on this donut. And they do that for a day. And then they do that for two days. And then they do that for six months. And then they can't fix <laughs> until they have another problem yeah. instead of going all in on fixing the tire right off the bat and then being able to go to and from work with no issues and concerns. You know, so what you did is you got, you started to get familiar with it. You went all in, you took it seriously, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then as you get there, as you start doing things, you start creating, you probably, Maybe you could maybe you did know this, maybe you didn't. But before I asked you the question about what your personal standards were for for that course, was it super clear to you or was it just kind of something you subconsciously probably knew? It just you didn't have that heightened awareness yet. Which one? No, it was definitely a conscious awareness of it. Yeah. So you were like Maybe there's some other subconscious standard that's still like sitting in there somewhere that hasn't come to fruition, but that's definitely yeah. something I think about every single time I get there, like audibly say in my own head, at the very least, like I need to stop throwing bogeys. <laughs> like, yeah, you're sure you're fixated on it. And the same thing happened to me in the military with with uh, physical fitness. OK, my first came in, I was in basic training. OK, never, never really trained up for actually never chained up for the army physical fitness test before in my life before basic training. I got in there. And I'm, I'm naturally kind of competitive. Okay. And so, but I'm quiet and I'm reserved. I'm trying to make it through the course. And I noticed other people starting to train for the next PT test that's coming up. Okay. And so I, I start thinking, okay, I should probably do that too. I want to be around the best, but I don't necessarily go all in on it. I'm just kind of doing what I think is required. I don't really have the context to know what I need to do to hit this target. I'm just kind of using my best judgment because I've never experienced this thing before. Okay. So I'm doing some sit-ups in my spare time, some push-ups in my spare time, whatever. And then guess what happens? So I take the physical fitness test. It's the final one. All right. And I'm thinking I want to max this thing out. That's what I was thinking about the whole time. I want to max the PT test. That's my goal. That's my minimum. That's my standard. Okay. And so I do it. And the whole time I'm thinking about getting a 300, which is the max on the APFT. I'm thinking about that number. I'm doing the work required to get that number over and over and over again. And I do this for the whole time I'm in basic. And then I take that test and I come up one sit up short, which for context, you do two minutes of push ups, two minutes of sit ups, and then you do a two mile run. And so, you know, I, maybe I did like 90 push ups or something like that. And maybe I did 80 something sit ups in two minutes. So I missed the max on the APFT by one freaking sit up one sit up you know how easy it is to do one sit up if your life depends on it it's fucking easy man and for somehow though i was so i was training for the 300 but but my standards weren't high enough to get that mark to hit that goal so what happened it came up short and by the way they recognized everybody in basic training that got a 300 so at the end of graduation guess who was not mentioned me 
Yeah. Now it's one fucking sit up short <laughs> of not being recognized. Dude, talk about, oh, I'm not bitter about it though, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I bring that up because I got close back. It was a little bit short. But the standard that I was working for, I was, I was, the standard daily that I was doing was like the minimum standard that I thought might get me to the goal. I wasn't exceeding it. I didn't raise my standards high enough. Okay. Instead of doing, maybe I was doing 50 push ups a day and maybe, and uh, I should have been doing 100. That should have been my standard. That would have succeeded, caused me to uh, surpass the goal. So what ends up happening after that PT test? Okay. I go on to advanced individual training in the military. I get there. And I'm pissed about this being short of 300. At this point in my career, I'm starting to lose sight of what even the minimum requirement is. I have no idea. I'm just hyper-focused on 300. And so I say, you know what? 300 is my minimum. I want to be sick and be able to pass a 300. I never want that experience to happen again. I never want to be one point short of the max on this thing. So I change my standards. I say, my, my, my goal is to always be in the extended scale. Okay. And I want to be closer to 350, which is a really, I mean, that's like, that's, that's a pretty good PT mm. score. It's like, um, you know, a hundred pushups, hundred sit-ups in two minutes each, and then a 12 minute two mile, which is pretty quick. And, uh, I mean, not exceptionally quick for runners out there, but to, whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> my point is I started thinking like that. And then guess what happened ever since that day, my minimum standard was three. I always scored more than a 300 from that day forward, moving through my military career. Never once did I drop below 300, but it all came down to the standards that I had in my head. All I, the only thing that changed was I changed the standard. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? How do you set that standard or how do you set standards in general for yourself? How do you find that, that kind of sweet spot? Okay. This is a, this is, we're, we're going to, kind of get into some tactics and strategies now to help somebody do that on their own. That's a great question because there's two, there's two ways to do it. Two key ways. Okay. There's some other ways, but I'm going to focus on two. The, the first way is the, the, the theme here is going to be your ecosystem. Okay. So your environment, your surroundings, but there's two specific ways inside of your ecosystem to influence you. Okay. It's an, your imaginary ecosystem. All right. And then your reality. Okay. The real, the physical. When you're around other people that perform to a better level than you, there's a thing called the law of averages and you, you rise to their level. All right. If you think about real estate as a great example, if you put a bunch of mansions in a cul-de-sac mm -mm. and you put a really tiny shack in the middle of those things, Guess what happens to that shack? It increases in value. It, yeah. it, everybody perceives it being valued more. Okay? So human beings work the same way. Right? If we get a bunch of studs all around each other, a bunch of special operations guys working out, and then one new guy kind of comes in, he hangs out, guess what happens? That guy starts to rise up. Hmm. It happens naturally. But the only thing that's different in, those, in that individual's life is the ecosystem, the surroundings, the physical surroundings. Okay. But when you're, when you're coming up in life, you know, you don't have a lot of those resources available to you. You don't have access to the guys that are in special operations. You don't have access to the best disc golfer in the world. Right? So the other way to change your ecosystem is to change the imaginary, how you perceive the world around you, who you're competing with in your head. How this applied to my world, I did this with PT as well. I, I got to a, a point where I was doing well against my peers. And I was like, dude, this is a problem because I think that I'm doing good. Like you might think that you're doing good right now, being on shooting par on your golf course. Mm -hmm. And you're like, ah, I'm feeling better because I'm well. making improvements. <laughs> well, right. You're still probably still frustrated. But, <laughs> but here's the thing is that, you know, you can change that narrative in your head by changing your perspective. Okay. And so what I would start doing is I started, instead of competing against my peers mentally, I started competing against the entire army. All right. And, and what happened when I did this, I, every day I would wake up and I'd go to PT and I didn't think about the guys in my unit. I was thinking about who's the best soldier in the entire army. And I was just trying to like shh, compete with that guy, or at least keep up with him in my head. And I created this little character. 
or a better Jeremiah, right? I knew a guy, I had a soldier, one of my squad leaders did this. He used to compete. He had the same technique. This guy was a stud. He, he used to compete with his, uh, he called it his alter ego. And he was heading to special forces selection. So he would just compete with that guy over and over again. When he wanted to quit, he, he would actually show up and he'd be like, I'm putting space between me and that guy. So it was an imaginary ecosystem. All right. And what ended up happening was one day, I moved along in my career. I kept doing this over and over and over again. I thought that I was doing well, but like the saying goes, there's, there's always somebody better than you. And then I crossed paths with this guy. I was, I was crushing the individuals. And then all of a sudden I got around some a bigger peer group. And then I ran into that dude that I had been creating in my head. And he was just an inch better than me, right? You're just a, just a little, just a margin better than I was. And I got pissed off that I wasn't setting my standards high enough again. So I went to work again, <laughs> right? So you know, you ask, like, how do you do it? You, you, how do you change your, your personal standards? You know, you change it by your physical reality. Okay. And then you change it by your imagination. What are your, what are your thoughts on all that? When it comes to other people, I want to know your answer to this question. Cause I've heard both sides of this before too, but when it comes to like performing with or around other people, I guess, do you think it's better for you to be around people that are like one level above you and then try to work up to that and then find people that are one level above that and kind of climb your way up that way? Or do you think it's better to like come out of the womb and whatever you're doing and try to get with the best people you possibly can, like right out of the gate? You need to, you need, you need, you need to do both. You need to compete with, you, you, you're going to be, so here's the, this, I was going to save this for later, but what I it's words of caution. Okay, when you start competing against these other peer groups, if you start imagining somebody that's way better than 10x, 100x the person that you are, what's going to happen? There's going to be a certain point in which it discourages you as an individual. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking. You're going to be like, I'll never get there. So you have to you have to do both, but then you also have to make your focus the level that inspires you to do more work. And then it's tricky because you have to be hyper focused and hyper aware to recreate that scenario to the next level you like you have to know that it's time to look to the next the next thing right you have to know that yeah no that makes sense to me i think an example of that where i've actually seen it before is that i did see this uh guy talking about once in in entrepreneurship i mean like online entrepreneurship is like a hot thing now you know and i saw someone who is relatively successful doing so he said one of the biggest mistakes he thinks that people make is that they like come out of the gate with like no knowledge of how to run a business, how to do marketing, how to do anything, basically. And then they start subscribing to the Ed Milets, the Andy Priscilla's, the Gary V's, all those type of people. But there's just such this huge gap there that it's not really helpful to learn from those people. So his advice was to instead, like if you're just starting out, find someone that makes $100 a day with the business. And then once you get up to that level, go to like someone that's making, you know, 500 a day or 1,000 a day or something, kind of build the way up. Yeah, I mean, experience has a expiration date, so to speak. Mm. Now you can you can pull the key concepts from those people at the top, but the tactics you can pull the strategy from them, but you can't pull the tactics. Okay, I think okay. we talked about strategy versus tactics before, like strategy just being the big picture concept, tactics being the micro things that you're doing day in. Yeah. When you're when you're trying to level up, you need the tactics. You don't need to know conceptually what am I? What's the twenty year, thirty year? you know, right. key concept points that I need to, to implement. Like I need to know what I need to be doing today and like running, doing the physical fitness test. I need to know how I should break down my pushups, you know, in this moment, not whatever the, whatever the hell the next little example yeah. is, but you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, focus yeah. on, you needed the tactics. So yes, I agree with that. Um, but here's, here's where, what I would also supplement that discussion with is that you can't let that be an excuse. You can't let avoiding the best information, avoiding the best people and by, and because you're telling yourself you're not ready for it. Okay. A lot of people do that. It's a cop out. They're saying, oh, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't be around. I shouldn't apply to be around these thought leaders. I shouldn't consume their information. Say that? Well, I is think that, so. I, yes. Is that a problem? Yeah. People, they, uh, deselect themselves all the time is the term. And the reason I say deselect is because in mil in the military, going to a special operations selection, 
A lot of guys are capable, but they don't apply. And the reason they don't apply is because they say that they're not good enough. They deselect. Hey, I'm not good enough yet. So yes, people do that for sure. Okay. That's just, that's just getting out of kind of the task though, isn't it? Or not the task, but like the operation. But when it comes to the people, I don't know. I'm just thinking of it in a light. Like if you, if you got the chance to like play golf with Phil Mickelson, I don't think a lot of people would turn that down. Even if they don't consider themselves that good of a golfer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think that, well, I would argue that they, there is not, remember, not everybody is just like you. Not everybody's just like me. There people would turn they that should down. Be. What, what you want, the people you want to be around, if you're really trying to cut to the core of this, of like who you should be around, you should find people that it makes you a little bit uncomfortable to be around. Things that, things that make you a little bit nervous. And actually, putting some money behind it is a great example because letting go of money is a hard thing for a lot of people to do. Okay, it, but get that feeling that you have of, fuck, I might be losing this. I might be losing this money. It feels like risk. It feels like uncertainty. When you put it in the right place, what ends up happening is it becomes an investment. And so that feeling that you have with your money of letting go of it and putting into something that causes you to grow, that's the exact same feeling, almost like insecure. It makes you feel like, fuck, fuck, fuck. People, people can do that for you as well. You, you get around those people and you feel that same way. So you want to, what I would encourage the individual to do is find those people that make you feel a little bit insecure on the inside because you're going to start uh, finding ways to get on the same level as them. Make sense? Yeah. Um, I'll, and I'll tell you kind of briefly, real quick, what this will do to you when you start changing your imaginary ecosystem and your physical ecosystem. The, the biggest thing it does is you're gonna, it's going to change your perspective. Okay. And for example, I was having a discussion with my wife last night about my perspective on the world right now. And I brought up the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm working a lot with, I work with people in a group environment. I work with people one-on-one and I coach, I get fed all types of different information all day, military CEOs, nine to five corporate professionals, entrepreneurs, um, people that just got their MBAs. So I'm being fed all this different information from people that are trying to become the best in their field. Right. And a couple of the discussions I had yesterday, I had three, seven to eight figure discussions in one day. Okay. So $1 million to $10 million talks in one day, essentially three of them. And I highlight that because what, what that actually means is that those discussions were tied to seven to eight figure outcomes. Hey, if I make this decision, I'm going to get this amount of finance money or whatever or I'm risking this much, right? So what ends up happening as you start changing your ecosystem, you start getting access to different information. And then it changes your perspective on the entire world. Imagine getting fed seven to eight figure decisions for a hundred days. And you're a guy that like makes a thousand, like a hundred bucks a month. Imagine what that's going to do to your idea of money. It changes everything. And so, you know, when it comes to your fitness, when it comes to your goals, you want to change your ecosystem to change your perspective because then you can make different decisions along the way. It helps you to think a little bit bigger. What are your thoughts? I agree. Those are my thoughts. Just don't be a yes no. man. You got <laughs> Listen, I have not been a yes man like this entire episode. Okay. Fair I've enough. been quite the contrary. But um, <laughs> no, I do agree with that. I like, I like that you bring money into the equation too, just because that part of it is absolutely true too. It's like if you actually put your money into things, sometimes if you put your time into things, you know, where it's actually some sort of sacrifice from you, then that's also a good way to get yourself to actually do the work for lack of a better way to put it. But um, no, everything you're saying is a good point for real. So now that we got the message hammered home, you know, there's the individual that's listening right now. He's like, okay, I need to raise my standards. He's like, he's convinced. He's like, all right, I need to do it. What do I do? Well, first thing is to audit inventory, your personal standards. Where, like, where are you cutting corners right now? Okay. Just focus on the immediate things you're doing day to day before you start looking to stretch. Okay. So inventory, your current standard, where are you cutting corners? Are you leaving dishes in the sink? All right. Are you running around in your car with the gas on E and you have the money to fill it up? All right. What are like, what, 
it happens. People, yeah, people ignore their little challenges. Okay, so yeah, so get out more. <laughs> so what I want, if you're like, okay, I want to change my standards. What do you do? You need to inventory your personal standards. What standards are you setting? What standards are you setting in your small team, in your family? Is it okay for you to skip steps? Is it okay for you, like I said, to leave the bowl in the sink? Is it okay for you to be lackadaisical? All right. Is it okay for you to think that you have everything figured out? Is it okay for you to be content on the current level that you're working on? Like if you say I'm comfortable right here or I need to stay right here, you're, you're losing. You're wrong. And how do you expect your team to grow if, they're gonna, if you're going to have that belief? So remember, your team is going to rise to the, the minimum level you set for them. The other thing you want to ask yourself too, when it comes to standards, ask yourself, do you use words like, oh, that's good enough? What does that say about how you approach a situation? That's good enough. That means you check the block and you move on. It means you don't do your diligence. You don't follow through. You don't do a plus one on the end of it. You don't add a little bit more. So what I'm saying is that you want to change your, sta you want to change your standards. You need to start living up to them, up to new standards that you're currently doing right now. And what will happen when you start doing that over and over and over again is you're going to pull your team up with you. Okay, there's a natural gravity to you elevating your standards as an individual. Instead of being the little house in the real estate block, be the person that puts in the mansions and pulls that little house up. Okay, you can do that by elevating your standards. So when you do that, when you decide that you're going to elevate your personal standards, you actually start leading. Okay, because you're putting yourself in a position to show others what the next example is. So what I'm saying is there's a guy listening right now that thinks he's good. You're not. Raise your standards. Everything that you do, raise it. How do you do it? We broke it down here, and I'll, I'll close out right after these comments. First thing is you need to compete against the imaginary. All right? Raise your standards by competing against the imaginary. Create an imaginary scenario. You know, get as many free avenues and, and resources as possible. Your imagination, get that input going into your head. Create it. Okay, you can also... You can also um, um, one of my favorite things to do with imaginary, the imaginary, uh, ecosystem is pick an author that you want to be like a book and then make friends with him. Not a real world, but imaginary, read his bio, do a little research on him and then find out something that's interesting about him. Become, become friends with him. That'll help change. I did that with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It helped me a lot with real estate. Okay. He's, and you think real estate, he's in movies. No, he's got, he's really good at real estate. So I got the strategy from him. The next thing to do is get resourceful and just make, take it seriously, go all in and make an investment. Whatever, stretch yourself. Find that financial number that you have, stretch it. I'm telling you from experience, it works. It's get like the car example we gave. Stop putting the donut on your car, car. Put the actual tire that you want on there instead. Make the purchase. It sucks to lose the money, but it's an investment. It's going to pay off later on. It changes you. By the way, don't pick somebody you don't trust. Look for trust number one, okay? Do not pick somebody that you're questioning, all right? Because don't buy into false promises. All right, last thing is, no, I mentioned this. It was a word of caution, and I already highlighted that. So that's today's lesson. Do you have any comments or closing points that you want to make before we transition? Um, I think when it comes to also measuring your standards, you want to... I think this is just a key point to know kind of where you stand already is you want to pay attention to how other people react to what you do or what you're going to do. And if other people don't kind of give you the raised eyebrow or if other people don't think you're a little bit crazy, then you're probably not setting your standards high enough or if they're not giving you remarks or something like that. So an example of that for me is on um, this tournament I'm actually running this weekend is just kind of like a local monthly like get together type of tournament. But uh, me and my friend both have really high standards for us, ourselves. We said, we're going to run this like the best tournament we possibly freaking can. And we've had people coming up to us like, man, you guys are treating this like it's some sort of like PDGA sanctioned, like legit tournament. And I'm like, you're fucking right. We are. <laughs> 
because <laughs> like we're trying yeah. over here. Like you yeah. want to start getting that kind of feedback from people. It's good to have people kind of cynically saying that you're going above and beyond because you are going above and beyond. So do that. Yeah, it's an indicator you're on a path that's unusual to everyone else. And that's a great, great point. It's unsolicited positive reinforcement if you communicate it properly to yourself. I, when I do my Suffering Saturday workouts, I tell them to my wife. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go do a Suffering Saturday workout. And she's like, what are you going to do? I say it. If I have no, no reaction from her, then I'm like, damn, I got to try a little bit harder. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and it's, car, it's hard because she's so used to me doing just outlandish right. stuff. I have to, you know, have, there's this line where I, I feel like I have to go on a three day, like just some extreme, like I got to go jump out of a plane, go run for three days straight, uh, <laughs> go take out Al Qaeda all by myself and then come back to the house to impress her. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you do, you want to look for those, those unsolicited comments and feedbacks. Um, but is that, is there anything else you want to add? Great that is it. There. That, okay. that is it. All right. Awesome. Add in there at the end there. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, thanks for, t- for listening today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You know, the key takeaway is for you to audit, inventory your personal standards, start changing your imaginary and physical environment, you know, AKA your ecosystem. Those would be the big takeaways I'd want you to do and do it by any means possible. All right. Um, and I've been studying Alexander the Great a lot lately. He's, he's actually somebody that I'm pulling a lot of inspiration from because he accomplished so much in such a short period of time and at such a young age. And he was a guy that didn't have limitations. He was a guy that had almost what seemed to be unrealistic expectations for himself and, and his mission. And what he ended up doing is he transformed himself from a sheep into a lion. Okay. He was not born a lion. He became one. And so if there's anything from today's episode that you walk away with that conceptually describes the path that you're on, that's what, that's what you're doing. You are shifting from becoming a sheep into a lion. Okay, and I'll close off with today's quote as a reminder from Alexander the Great. He said, an army of sheep led by a lion is better than an army of lions led by a sheep. The power. So allow that to resonate with you. Reflect on it. Embody it this week. Until next time. I need some motivation. motivation Every day I try a little harder But my dedication, dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water Crying myself when I yell at the wall Begging to run but I needed to crawl I see the finish line up ahead Trying to get traction from all of this tread I am a king, I am a queen I am more than the people can see I am strong when I'm needing to be Vulnerability's nothing to me You can try but I'm unshakable My successes is never debatable I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable Here's to you and all that you are capable You gotta go hard, better get it